born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. You see, no nation ever enjoyed freedom like America has enjoyed freedom. And that freedom was only because of God, Christ, the Bible in this country. Now, we no longer need the Bible, no longer need God. We're going to lose our freedom. All this that you see going on, if you'll remember about six months or so ago, I told you they're going to be starting their demonstrations in the streets. You say, I don't remember you saying it. Yes, I did. I got tape. I got proof. I said what they're going to be doing, and they are doing it. And then after a while, I said it's going to turn ugly, and it will turn ugly. We're only only the beginning part of it. See, when you know the Bible and you know how the human nature works, you can tell what's going to take place before it ever happens. Because, see, there's people who want government to take care of them. You owe me. You owe me. But, see, all the problems America is having because we got away from God, we got away from the Bible and living the way God says to live, we got away from loving one another and taking care of one another and providing for ourselves and working hard to get something. Well, I know that's anathema to a lot of people. Work is a, a dirty word. But here in the book of Acts now, talks about something wonderful. He told them what to do, but he says you need the power to do it. And it's not only the right or the authority to do something. There is the ability, the enabling of the Holy Spirit to enable his children to do what God wants him to do. Now, you may not allow the Holy Spirit that lives within you the right to do what he has the right to do. You can deny the Holy One the right of using your body for his honor and glory. Now, we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is where Christ is the baptizer. He, Christ, will baptize you into the body of Christ. That means he takes and he places you in the body. That's not something that you do. I cannot perform the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Neither can you. Neither can anybody. Christ is the baptizer. He will baptize you. He's going to place you into his body by the Holy Spirit. And it would be like this, if you can picture this. When Christ was on the cross, he was there for me. So in God's eyes, that was me hanging on that cross. I was on the cross, and I died there, and I paid for my sins, and I was buried, and I came back again from the dead. Because the Bible talks about me being crucified with Christ and being buried with Christ and being raised with Christ and ascended with Christ. Because what he did was for me. Like I did it. 
But I didn't really do it. He did it for me. It's substitution. He was put in my place. So I have been placed into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible talks about us being sealed by the Holy Spirit. See, in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 1, verse 13, it talks about you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. The very moment you trusted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit sealed you in Christ. You are safe and secure. You're in Him. And He will never cast you out, and He will never lose you. Impossible. When I trusted Christ as my Savior... 51 years ago in a little old living room in Athens, Georgia, the Bible says that I was baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. I have been sealed, and nobody can break that seal. I am in Christ, so I have been sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, Ephesians 4.30. And the Bible also talks here about us being indwelt, so I've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and it says, if any man, in the book of Romans in chapter 8, has not been indwelt or is not indwelt by the Holy Spirit, he says he's none of his. If you do not have the Holy Spirit of God, you are not saved. Because he says, if you do not have the Spirit of Christ, you do not have Christ. You do not have the Holy Spirit, you are not saved. We are born by the Holy Spirit of God. So when I trusted Christ as my Savior, I was baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. I have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. I am indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible talks to us about being filled with the Spirit. Now, there's no command to be baptized by the Spirit in the Word of God because it's automatic. But there is Scripture that commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. So I am commanded to be filled with the Spirit, but being filled with the Spirit simply means to be controlled by the Spirit. You see, if you're filled with love, love controls you. Filled with hatred, hatred controls you. You feel with jealousy, jealousy controls you. So if you're filled with the Spirit, it means the Holy Spirit controls you. And on the day of Pentecost, though they were baptized by the Holy Spirit, they were also, as they yielded themselves to the Lord, they were also able to speak in tongues. They were filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit. And because they were controlled by the Holy Spirit, they were able to speak in languages that they never had to learn. And the people that came because of Passover, all these Jews from other countries that came there and had various languages, they were able to hear and understand the message that was preached. None of this was unknown language. They spoke in a language that people could understand. That's the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through them. So there was an uh, enabling for God's people. Now, you may not be able to speak in various languages, but you can deliver a powerful message. The message that saved me, the message that saved you, is the gospel that is the most powerful message in all the world. You see there in verse 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, I want you to hold your place here, but look there in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 1. 1 Corinthians and chapter 1. And look in verse 18. I believe that if you see this, it will it'll do wonders for you. We often talk about, you know, the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, how can I get the power of God in my life? 
as though it's some mystical thing somewhere, you know, if you can just find it. Think you've got to go to a grocery store and buy it on the shelf. And when you think, well, I don't feel anything. Well, you can't feel the Spirit. I know we sing a song, every time I feel the Spirit moving in my... Well, you can't feel the Spirit. I mean, if there's the Holy Spirit standing right here beside me, I could not feel the Spirit. Now, there's results of the Holy Spirit working in my life. There's results of Him teaching me things from the Word of God that cause me joy. And as the Bible says, He is the great comforter. But when you do not yield yourself to the great comforter, uh, then he becomes the great discomforter. And you will not be as comforted as you could have been. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 1, look in verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Now, I know that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, as it says in Romans 1.16. Because when I heard the gospel for the first time, I realized that I was lost, that I needed to be saved. And that message broke me down. I literally wept. I never seen anybody ever do this before. I never saw anybody ever get saved before. As I know of, I was the first one in the whole world. I never saw anybody else, but I was 18, and it finally made sense to me, and I, I bawled like a baby. Now, there's a certain amount of knowledge that can so, you know, get a hold of that little heart of yours and squeeze it a little bit, make the tears flow. But I heard it, and I understood, and I was just overwhelmed with joy. I know now I have eternal life and I'm going to heaven when I die. And it was the power of God unto salvation. It saved my soul. God gave me eternal life. I became his child for all eternity. Now, believe it or not, the greatest power in my life for the last 51 years has been the power of the gospel. To those who are saved, the gospel It is the power of God. That was the power that motivated me to start a church, to start a ranch, to start a school, to start a college, to start a radio broadcast. That gospel is the power that makes us do what we're supposed to do. That is that power that drives and motivates you. I know a guy that even wrote a book called The Gospel Driven Man. You ever heard of it before? We have it on the shelf right in there. Got my picture on the front. But the gospel-driven man, it's the gospel that drives the man, and it's the power of God for all your life. And if the gospel doesn't drive you, there's no power in your life. There's no reason to do what you do. Why go to church? Why give money to missions? Why give money to support the radio broadcast? Why get involved in ranch? Why do anything? There's no power there. But if you want to reach the lost, it's the power that motivates you to do everything else that you do. To those who are saved, it is the power of God. Now, do you want the power of God in your life? That message ought to motivate you. Because we thus judge That if one died for all, then all were dead. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. 
That's found somewhere in the Bible, I'm pretty sure. Maybe 2 Corinthians chapter 5, probably around verse 14. But there is power in that message that makes us do what we do. Take away the gospel story, and you just lost all motive and incentive to do anything else. Why live a good life? Why do anything? You lost that which will keep your life straight and clean. Because I want to win people, it made me watch my life. That's why I have to watch everything that I say and do. But you lose sight of the purpose of the gospel, and you've lost the power of God in your life. And that's why the clearer the gospel is to you, the more powerful the message is for you, the greater the power. Are y'all following me? But I hope that you're getting what I'm talking about. Now go back there to the book of Acts. The book of Acts in chapter 1. So we have this power that God says, I'm going to give to you. And it's the Holy Spirit living within you. But why is the Holy Spirit living within you? For a reason, that you may be a witness of Christ. That you're his witness. You're testifying who he is and what he did, what he can do. And all of that starts because of the passion of Christ. And you're able to do what you're doing because it was the promise that God made that he would give to you the Holy Spirit so you could do it. And you have the power to do what God wants you to do. Now, there was also a a prophecy that was given here. Look there in verse 9. When he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. How would you like to have that experience? If all of a sudden, while you're watching me, and all of a sudden I just, I just started coming right up off this here platform and just started going up through the, well, I'll go right on, I won't even get a headache, go right on through that ceiling, and you all run outside, and you could see me going up into the air, and then you saw me go into the clouds and disappear right out of sight. Would you think you had too many onions on your hamburger? Would you believe what you just saw? Would you believe it? Yankee didn't pull a fast one on us. Remember, there was a time upon this earth when that literally happened. They're there on Mount Sinai, and they see Jesus Christ ascending up into the air. Now, it seemed like everybody would want to go, that where I am, there you may be also. You know, I had a little memorial service Sunday in. I, I never tell jokes at a funeral. I, I did Friday. And you never know how a joke's going to go over at a funeral. Because, you know, everybody's serious-minded. Very serious and somber. Um, because it's a loved one that's passed away. So you've got to... I was feeling good. Now, if I had to do your funeral, if you, you just say, yeah, no jokes. Yeah, no, no, no jokes. I might honor that. But I told him, I says, look, there was this here old couple, man and his wife. They'd been married for years. And they were doing pretty good until they got about 75 years old. And then all of a sudden, the health got really bad. They were deteriorating fast. And they knew it was gonna, they're going to die. So the wife looked at her husband and says, honey, we've got to do something. We've got to get off the couch and start exercising. We've got to start watching what we're eating 
We got to start, you know, drinking carrot juice and, and, and some bran flakes. And we got we to gotta do this. And so for the next 10 years, they ate bran flakes. And when they were 85 years old, they both died. They got to heaven. He looks at his wife, and she's a 20-year-old, good-looking thing. She looks at him. And he's built like Charles Atlas, a little bit like myself. <laughs> How many of y'all remember Charles Atlas? Okay, I guess I could say, you know, here, uh, James Hayslip, okay? All right, now. You know, I can't believe the guy's almost 70 years old. He still walks around like this. So anyway, he's up there in heaven, and lo and behold, you know, they, they both look great. And so he says, Lord, he says, um, how long do we get to stay like this? He says, this is heaven, forever. You mean uh, forever? Yeah, forever. He looked out the window, and lo and behold, there was a golf course. And th- there was Gary Stephan out there playing golf. He said, how much does it cost to play golf? He says, uh, it, it's free. This is heaven. You mean I don't have to pay? How long can I play? He says, as long as you want. He says, and, and I don't have to take any more diabetes shots or anything like that? I, I don't have to take my blood pressure anymore? He said, no. He looked at his wife and he says, you and your brand flakes. I could have been here 10 years ago. <laughs> if that's true... I could have been there 10 years ago. We think the key is to try to keep from going. Whatever I do, just as I don't get to heaven. Isn't that where we're supposed to be wanting to go? Amen. Gary, we could be up here playing golf right now. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to get to go. But look what he says. And received him out of their sight. Now, wouldn't that be an infallible proof? If you saw that literally happen... The one that told you that. You saw him die. You saw him come back from the dead. And now you watch him ascending up in the sky. Now, do you think that you could believe what he had to say? He says, I'm coming back for you. Wouldn't that motivate you? Wouldn't that dispel all the reasons why you shouldn't? These disciples, when they saw that, it changed their life. Well, wouldn't it you? Look what he says in verse 10. While they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now, from where he was and where he left from, he's coming back to And the same one. Now, this is not talking about the rapture. This is talking about when Christ comes back in power and great glory. And they're going to see him. Because they saw him leave and they're going to see him come back. But you know what else I like about that? This same Jesus. Same one. You know, in the Old Testament, it talks about Abraham was going to die. And the Bible says he was gathered to his fathers. When he died, he was gathered to his fathers. So that means they were still alive. It means that he knew where he was going to go before he died. When Jacob was dying, it says, and he uh, finished giving his command to all of his sons, and he put his feet in the bed, and 
gave up the ghost, and was gathered to his fathers. So you see, they knew they were going someplace and they were going to see him again to his father. I've often had people ask me, say, well, are we going to know each other in heaven? That's the purpose of going there. You will know each other. Why tell them you're going to be gathered to your fathers? If it ain't going to be them, why tell me that? When it says this same Jesus that you see right now with your physical eyes, this same one is the one that's coming back. And this Yankee right here, when I die and they put my body in that grave, I'm going to come back. The same Yankee. This is the one you're going to know. I'll have a glorified body then. I'll be perfect then, but it will be me. Peter will be Peter. It will be him. It will be you. You, if your mother has already gone to heaven, you will see your mama. Now, she may not be your mama anymore, and it may not be your daddy anymore, but it will be those people, and he called them fathers, so evidently maybe it's father. I don't know. I don't care. I'm going. I'm going. I am ready to go. And so there is the passion of Christ, of why he came was to die so that you and I can be where he is. When he says, I go to prepare a place for you, it could be, I go to prepare a way for you to get there. All I know is that when he went to the cross, he went there to die for my sins. Well, if he paid for my sins, there's no sense both of us paying for my sins, right? If he paid for them, there's no sense me paying for them. All I had to do was believe he did it for me. And if I believe he did it for me, he puts the payment he made to my account. I get to go to heaven on what he did. I don't earn it. I don't work for it. No man gets to heaven by living a good life. You don't join a church to go to heaven. You don't give money to go to heaven. You don't pray to go to heaven. You say, well, what do you got to do? You have to give it all to me. No. All you have to do is believe that when Christ died, he died to pay for your sins. And God's the one that's in heaven, and he knows if you believe that he did it for you. So everybody gets to heaven the same way, by belief. All you have to do is believe. Will you believe that what Christ did was for you? And because of what he did, he made a promise. He promised that you would receive the Holy Spirit the very moment you trust Christ as your Savior. He promised to give you the free gift of everlasting life. It means he'll never cast you out and never lose you. You can know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. Isn't that pretty good? He promised that he's coming back again for you. He promised he's going to come back. And we may be alive when he comes back. And when he comes back, he said, we'll be changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, and cut up to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So I'm looking for the Lord to return. And I do believe that it will be the same one that leaves. Here he comes to the earth. But when he comes back for me, he's going to meet me in the air. See, it's, I'm just going to meet him halfway. It's kind of like this guy that had, especially this ought to be good for people today. This guy was really in debt to this bank. Oh, thousands and thousands of dollars. So the bank called him up and says, we have decided that we're just going to forgive half of your debt. All we want you to do is meet us halfway. He says, very good. I'll just forget the other half. <laughs> when the rapture takes place, he comes in the air and we will meet him. I don't know if that's halfway. I don't know how far that is. But wherever he is, that's where I'm going to be. 
And he says, and I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And he says, comfort one another with these words. Best news in all the world. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. It's all the bad things that we do. But God says that um, he loves us. He hates our sin. Because we committed the sin, we have to pay for it. And that is eternal separation from God. So since everybody sins, everybody's in the same boat. We're all condemned. We're all guilty. So there's nothing that a man can do to make himself pure, to make himself perfect. It's impossible. But heaven, see, heaven is perfect. God is perfect. To live forever with the Lord, you've got to be perfect. Well, where you aren't. So how are we going to get there? God says, um, your sins won't let you in. I can't let you in because of that. Plus, you've got a payment to make, and that's eternal separation from God in hell. So we don't, it don't look very good for us. God says it's impossible for a man to save himself. Christ, this hand representing Christ, God in the flesh, came into the world because he loves us. Now, he hates what we do wrong because it separates us from him. So Jesus Christ took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And God said that if you and I, if we would believe that he did it for us, he would put the payment he made to our account, and we get to go to heaven on what he did. See, there's no tricks to that. There's no gimmicks to it. It's a gift. It's totally free. I trusted Christ as my Savior, and God gave me eternal life. When I explained this the other day at the funeral, even with the joke, there was about 10 or 12 that trusted Christ as Savior. Because, you see, there's, there's power in this message. And when they hear it, and you don't know where you're going to die, and you hear it for the first time, you mean I can go to heaven when I die? Mean that I don't have to promise anything, stop anything? Just like I am, I can accept Christ as my Savior, and he'll give me eternal life, and I get to go to heaven? That's true. You say, well, what if I do something wrong tomorrow? Huh, you will. It's paid. What if I do something really bad? It's paid. Is what if I do something right before I die? It's paid. How many of your sins did he pay for? All of them. They're all paid. There won't be one sin for you to pay for. You see, you say, you don't deserve it. I know. Nobody deserves it. That's why he says, by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. Friend, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you just talk to the Lord? See, you don't make a mistake this way. Only the true and living God can... Know what you're thinking. I don't know what you're thinking. I can't read your mind. But I do want you to trust the Lord. I want you to go to heaven when you die. So right now, if what I said made sense, you say, I want to go to heaven. And I believe Christ died on that cross and paid for my sins. And I'm going to trust him right now as my only hope of going to heaven. Friend, God said if you would believe that he did it for you, he would save you and give you eternal life. And you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, is there anyone at all say, yes, preacher, that made sense to me, and I'll trust Christ as my Savior this morning, and I'd like you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Anyone at all? Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. Remember, there's no gimmick to it, no tricks. Over and done with when you make that decision. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? 
Our Father, we thank you again for your blessings. We thank you for your word. We ask, Father, your blessings upon each person here and each family represented. We just pray, Lord, that each one of us would be found faithful doing what we can with what we have. Because one day you will come back. You promised. You did everything else that you said you was going to do. And we look forward to your return. Father, in your word, you call it the blessed hope. We thank you for that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Were you ever told that you must confess Christ before men to be saved? Were you warned that if you refused to confess Christ, he would not confess you before the Father? Just what does that mean? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me